listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This has been breaking throughout the day with the NBA, with Ty Lue and, and Daryl Morey, which I think is particularly interesting. Yeah, Daryl Morey, the longtime general manager of the Houston Rockets, is out. Houston will be looking for a brand new GM. And then Ty Lue, who was an assistant for the L.A. Clippers last season, he has been named, according to ESPN, the brand new head coach of the Clippers, agreeing to a five-year deal earlier. So, with Moray, I think this is a story. It's a bigger story than you might realize. And it ties in with analytics and what they mean to sports in the modern era. So, first, let's repeat what we said in the headlines. This is objectively true. Is that during his time with the Rockets as GM... The Rockets had the second best record in the NBA. San Antonio Spurs one, Daryl Morey two, and the Rockets. That's it. We can talk about Kobe. We can talk about LeBron. Now, again, LeBron, I'm guessing if you followed him from place to place, had a better record. It's not the way it works. <laughs> We're talking about a team because Daryl Morey didn't jump around based on what players he had. So, if we just said, hey, we're going to play 82 games on most years, you know, exception, obviously, this year, there was a few less, and we're going to decide how good you are based on how many games you win. It seems like a fair way to judge it, right? We're about winning and losing in this country. And you might say, well, there wasn't many GMs that were there as long. No, no, no. We're not talking about GM wins. We're talking about team wins. So the Celtics, for example, spoke Danny Ainge. It's one of the great storied programs. And it strikes me that, well, if the Spurs are one and Houston's two, it means Boston's below them. That's pretty good. Is that guy, first of all, you don't step down. He's not stepping down because he's going to another job. He wants more. He's getting pushed out. Cheryl Morey's being pushed out. And if you are the second winningest guy, and we're not saying arbitrarily let's start in 2008 because the first three years weren't all that good, because blah, blah, blah. No. Just start with his first day and with his last day. And during that time, he was the second best. And by all accounts, all accounts, one of the forward thinkers in NBA basketball analytics, Daryl Morey. So you got a guy who's a legend, like a rock star at the Sloan Conference and the analytics nerds. Well, we'll just say the socially challenged. And he's getting pushed out. Now, where does this tie in? Let's look at baseball, Fez. Who is maybe the analytics guru in baseball? Billy Bean. How's he doing? Does great in the regular season. And hasn't there been recent news about Billy Bean? I mean, Jonas, what's his current status? I have not heard anything on Billy Bean, to be honest with you. I haven't haven't, uh, gone in depth. To me, and maybe this is something where it's not as out there, you know, from what I'm hearing, there's a real reevaluation of his, you know, how he's going to be participating with the A's. Now, we'll see how that turns out, but at minimum, no, not even a World Series appearance. 
Yeah, that's what I thought. So, Bean is stepping down from the A's to focus on sports business ventures. And I wasn't sure if that was out official and public yet, or it was someone I was talking with. But yes, so Billy Bean out with sports business ventures. That sounds like spending time with the family, right? (laughs) So, Billy Bean out, Daryl Morey out. I'm not saying Bean got pushed out. I don't know. I don't know. And they have zero titles, though you could say this is the NBA's vanguard, the guy. Who would be, if we were talking about basketball analytics, who would be even in a debate that you'd say, oh, he was more influential than Daryl Morey, or he was more this? Can you think of anyone? I can't even think of a name. Jonas? No, it would be Daryl Morey. He's the guy. So the guy in NBA analytics is out, even though he performed second best of all teams during his tenure. Billy being out, zero titles between them. That is the rub. Because we could say, and Fez, you might do this voice better than me, low sample size, small sample size. And that's code for it didn't go the way my math says it should. And thus, we know we'll never be able to do this, but if we could somehow run 10,000 simulations, I'd be right. But we can't, so we're going to have to assume I'm right. <laughs> yeah, it's a good deal, I guess, if you can get people to believe it. And that's the question. And we'll start with Jonas on this. Is Do we believe the way Daryl Morey plays, the way the A's played under Bean as the GM, does it lend itself to win in the regular season and not win in the playoffs? Or was it a matter of sample size? If you just gave it enough time, the truth of the superiority of these approaches would reveal itself. It's just, as it has in the regular season, there just hasn't been enough time for that truth to reveal itself in the playoffs. That's what Daryl Morey's going to say. That's what Billy Bean's going to say. What do you say, Jonas? I mean, I go back to the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago where Chris Paul got hurt. If he doesn't get hurt, I, we're not having this Who conversation. Knows, though, right? I mean, yeah, but I just I look at that Houston team and say they would have beaten Golden State and they would have won the NBA title. And I don't think we're having this conversation. It, it's I guess it's sort of a, a mixture of yeah, there's something to he's more of a regular season GM and they had a ton of regular season success and not the same in the postseason and also a couple of bad breaks and a full blown dynasty that they had to deal with in the Golden State Warriors, and then you've got LeBron in the league at the same time, I think that was more of a factor as well, too, when it came to the Rockets and Daryl Morey struggles. That's Jonas Knox. I'm R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas. To me, you could flip this and say the same thing, but it wouldn't work, which makes me question the Chris Paul analysis. I agree with Jonas. No doubt Houston's chance of winning those games would have been better with Chris Paul. Healthy, no doubt. But when Golden State had, uh, and I can't remember exactly which game it was, but when Durant got hurt, and I think there was two games left, and Golden State needed to win 6-7, and and Durant was out, and this would have been uh, not this most recent year, the bubble year, but the year before, when Golden State lost even more players in the finals against Toronto. At that point, if Houston would have won... Golden State would be saying, well, if Durant didn't go out, we'd be fine. But in truth, somehow, when Houston lost their player, 
Chris Paul, they weren't able to win. And when the opponent lost their player, Houston wasn't able to win. Again, small sample size. What do you think, Fez? There's something about those analytics of, sh- of shooting the threes in the NBA that when it comes after a long, tough series, you get to games five, six, seven, all of a sudden, making those shots... The pressure goes up. It really does. It's both fatigue and pressure. Yes. And a more physical game means more contact during the playoffs, makes it harder to keep your shot when you're getting bruised up, nicked up during the playoffs, and guys getting hurt as well. And you like a lot of time in between effort. You do personally, well, right? Like yeah. the couch, just time to gather your thoughts and stuff. <laughs> Steve Fezzik, I'm RJ Bo, straight out of Vegas. It sounds a lot like what Colin said about Golden State, the year, the first year with Kerr. He's like, you can't win as a jump shooting team. That was the assumptions then. You got to wonder, in five years, ten years, are we going to look back and? You know, you might destroy this tape and think, well, you know, that Fezzik thought that you couldn't win, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Maybe to me, it's more about Harden having such a one dimensional approach to his game that it's pretty much the same. It's almost like Rivera from the Yankees, that same cut cutter. It worked for Mariana Rivera. But with you go over seven games, it seems like people are able to figure out Harden as those series progress. It's a great observation, and we really saw that. That wait, wait a minute, it's it's literally the same offensive scheme, possession after possession, and then the scores, the scoring would go down as the the um, series progressed. Yeah, so Durant in that series in eighteen nineteen, it was the nineteen playoffs, got hurt in game five. They came back and won Golden State game five. And then they won the whole series in Game 6 at Houston. So, it didn't even go 7. Durant was out both of those games. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's talk about Ty Lue. To me... At first, I thought, hey, he's a player's coach. You know, it's a player. He's going to be a player's Mm -hmm. coach. Then what I heard was, you know, he's not getting some of these jobs because he's too tough on the players. The players feel like he's too demanding. Now, that's interesting, which ties in to the following fact. Doc Rivers, out of L.A. Clippers, recently... In the last decade, Ty Lue as an assistant has been under Doc Rivers, both at Boston and in L.A., for over five years. So, like, over half the time during the last decade, Ty Lue was holding a clipboard for Doc. You fire Doc and bring in, effectively, his number two? Is that just an oversight? Is that like they're not kind of getting that they're kind of hiring Doc Light, you would say? Or maybe Doc Next Generation? Right, mm. Bill Parcells and Belichick was Belichick Parcells light or was he 2.0? I don't know, but I know that that seems. Or you could say, you know, it's an affirmation of the Doc era. It's just his time had passed. What do you think, Jonas? I, I think it's a bad look for Doc Rivers in the sense that. If they go on with this roster, and this is going to be the next move that I'm really curious to see, if they go on and they continue on with this roster, and there's no, there's been talks of and speculation of maybe they trade Paul George, he wasn't a good fit. If they come back with really the same nucleus, but they just switched head coaches, that's them saying 
we just didn't feel like Doc Rivers was the guy for the job. And the fact that they hired somebody on his staff with the same nucleus is them sort of admitting, hey, last year, maybe if Ty lose the head coach and not Doc Rivers, we don't collapse like we did in the bubble against Denver. Or maybe it's they realize in hindsight they got the players – it was a matter of integrating them over time, and they just didn't have enough time. But, oh, by the way, Doc sure likes the cameras. Or maybe, who knows, someone didn't like some of the stuff politically. That Doc, I have no idea what Steve Ballmer's politics are, but I know when you're a billionaire, you tend to like things the way you like them. And maybe there was just too much ego in the same room when Ballmer wants attention. You know, you don't think so much of who's who's the Mavs coach, all right? You think of Mark Cuban. I don't know if that's Ballmer's goal, but I think it's objectively true that Doc Rivers was one of the most uh, attention generating, both through his efforts and just who he was as a legendary player, coach. He got a lot of attention. Maybe the theory is, hey, we got the same X's and O's. With Ty Lue, without the guy in the camera all the time, maybe saying political stuff that wasn't agreed to. Closing thoughts, Fez. I think on baseball, I'm much more likely to give Billy Bean a break here because I truly think baseball is so random in the playoffs. Look at the Dodgers. They're way better than Atlanta this year. It's pick them now in that series. So what you're saying is Billy Bean could have been the better team, just lost some. In the NBA, the better team tends to win those seven-game series. Yes. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Breaking news from Fox Sports. It's Dan Byer at the news desk in Los Angeles. And breaking news, guys, in the National Football League. The NFL Network, the first to report that Le'Veon Bell, the free agent running back, is likely to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. Reports earlier today said it was down to the Dolphins, Bills, or KC. That it was down to Miami or Kansas City. Ends up, Le'Veon Bell likely to sign with the defending Super Bowl champions. Ooh, dog. This is a great Adage, thank you, Mr. Dan Byer. This is the great adage. You want to do what your opponent doesn't want you to do. As a Steelers fan, I am not happy right now. I did not, I don't like Le'Veon Bell. I don't think he's a great player anymore. If you look at his stats, you could make the case he's one of the least effective players, running backs in the NFL. But you know what? Ryan Tannehill was one of the least effective quarterbacks in the NFL when Adam Gase was his coach. How much of this I was just doing out or uh, New York Radio Today, and they're saying, yeah, we think Gase kept him down. Now, I don't know if this is just you demonize Gase at this point, no matter what, but man, this is a guy that not that long ago was one of the best backs in the league. If he's now like the third back, that can't be anything but a good thing for Kansas City as long as the locker room cancer is kept down. But when you have an organization as strong as Kansas City under Andy Reid, with Mahomes being such a presence now as the leader, I don't think Le'Veon, if he starts acting up, he's going to be ostracized. He's not going to spread it 
What do you think, Fez? I think the Kansas City rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a great opening night, and he has not been as effective. And he's a rookie. To make him be the bell cow for 16 games was too long. Good pickup for Bell for Kansas City. Plus, not a huge physical back. Yes. Right. And again, it's not. A, who knows if Bell is going to be the second? You know, most touches, third. But all of a sudden, at least at minimum, Andy. If Andy Reid put in six plays for him, you know. That scares me. What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, I love the fit. I think if anybody's going to get anything out of Le'Veon Bell at this point, it's going to be Andy Reid. Not only just from a player standpoint, but from the fact that he's not going to be asked to be the every down back. He's got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire there. They've got other weapons on offense. And also, Andy Reid's got a good track record in being able to deal with players who have had off-the-field issues or been had uh, personality issues, whatever the case may be, and making it work. I think Kansas City just got better. Now imagine, and that's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas. Imagine if the Cowboys signed him. What would we be saying right now? <laughs> We'd be like, same old Jerry Jones, <laughs> just going for the big name. But oh, he's past his prime, Le'Veon. Oh, if he signed him in 2017, maybe. It goes to show you, and this is what makes sports so interesting. It's not. 2 plus 2 equals 4. Sometimes it's 2 plus 2 equals 3. And sometimes, Fred, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Yes. Yes.